Shalom, brothers and sisters. Shalom. We have a detailed lesson for the brothers and sisters worldwide. Uh, today's lesson will be called The Power of Confession, brothers and sisters. Psychologists have made an absorbent amount of money <clears throat> employing certain biblical practices, and one of those is confession. Going, you know, actually formulating the words with your mouth, the things that have transpired in your life. And they've made a living off of this, brothers and sisters. And when really that principle came from the Bible. We're going to show you. <clears throat> Simply putting emotional turmoil into words changes how we think about circumstances, brothers and sisters. Giving concrete form to secret, <clears throat> giving concrete form to secret experiences that can help categorize, uh, you know, categorize these things in a new way. For instance, you know, we translate emotional experience into words and stories. We start to think about them in a simpler, less menacing way. So there's it's science behind you speaking the things that you've gone through um, <clears throat> uh, and things, your experiences that have uh, affected you. That actually gives you a release. After you actually say these things with your mouth, you, you actually get a release. You get a load off. And that's biblical, brothers and sisters. Any type of open and truthful disclosure reduces stress and helps individuals come to terms with behaviors. So we're going to go into it today, brothers and sisters. We're going to start... At uh, Proverbs 18 and 21, using confession to live honestly and consciously, brothers and sisters, is an art that uh, is learned and a skill that must be practiced. And we're going to try to, you know, um, shed some light on confession, brothers and sisters. And we want to be clear. Confession is not what you see in the Roman Catholic Church. That's not where you go confess to a man. Then you pay a tax for that. That's not of the Bible. So we want to just, you know, put that out there that. What we're talking about when the Bible talks about confession isn't you confessing to a priest about something, you know, confessing to another man that's probably struggling just as much as you, if not more. So we're going to give you the, the biblical definition and understanding of confessing your faults, even in relationships, even in marriages. You have to be able to confess when you've done something wrong or when you're struggling with something. You need to be able to put words to that, brothers and sisters, because you owe it to yourself. We're going to show you. Proverbs 18 and 21, brother. Proverbs 18 and 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. See? So our words have supernatural power, brothers and sisters. Power that changes circumstances and shapes destinies. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So we want to use our tongue, we want to use our words uh, to glorify the Most High, to repent, to ask for forgiveness, to confess. You know, in fact, it's it's our unique ability to choose to speak words that distinguish men from all of the Most High's other creations. We're the only creation that can actually formulate words, brothers and sisters, and ideologies. Often words are used recklessly, you know, uh, without the true understanding of the impact that a word can have. So we're going to talk about using our words to grow spiritually. And through one of those ways is confession, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? Proverbs 18 and 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So there's power in words, brothers and sisters. Using your words properly will produce creative power that will help you establish what God's will is in your life. So today's lesson, uh, through the Spirit of the Most High, we pray will help us be cognizant of the power of words and how words impact our lives. We're going to go to 1 John 
chapter uh, chapter one, verse six, first John near Revelations, brothers and sisters. First John one and six. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the, and the truth is not in us. So, brothers and sisters, this particular lesson, all of us can utilize it because we all have sin. We wanted to point that out because some people will say, well, I'm, you know, I'm perfect. I, I've never done anything wrong. I have nothing to confess. We all know people like that, brothers and sisters, and that actually can cause you to be sick if you don't confess. A lot of people who bear sicknesses, ailments, uh, life-threatening ailments is because something transpired in their life previously that they will not speak about. And a lot of times this goes on, you know, typically with women. If you think about our, you know, our older generations, our grandmothers, our, our mothers, our great-grandmothers, they didn't really talk about the things that affected them, you know, um, harshly in their life, even when they were young. They kind of just close the door on it and it has an effect brothers and sisters we're going to show you uh can you read the next scripture brother <clears throat> verse nine if we confess our sins he is faithful read, and read that one more time brother verse nine if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we confess our sins brothers and sisters to confess <clears throat> means to acknowledge our sin to the most high brothers and sisters to acknowledge it to confess means to accept responsibility for that sin, brothers and sisters. We got to be real with the Most High. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So scripture is clear, brothers and sisters, that we are forgiven if we have confessed our sins authentically. It has to be authentic. It has to be genuine, brothers and sisters. There will be no full reconcilement. In a relationship with the Most High, unless you repent and seek his forgiveness. That's the only way for reconciliation, brothers and sisters. You have to tell him what you, he already know what you've done. But for you to come to him, right, and to tell him what you're struggling with or what you have done that you know may have not been, you know, best in his eyes. That brings you closer to the Most High God. It's just like when you have a child or, you know, your child with your mother and you're actually honest about what transpired. And not lie. When you feel led to do it, that actually brings that relationship closer. Because that is a bonding moment, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time? Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So it's possible to feel forgiven without necessarily having received authentic forgiveness, brothers and sisters. Uh, many people go long periods of time thinking and feeling that they've been forgiven and that God have absolved them of their transgression when there's been no repentance. There have to be repentance, brothers and sisters. And authentic means, you know, a lot of times when you're found to be wrong, uh, you won't just say it like that. You'll say, well, well, errors were made. You'll say something like that. You can't say, you know, you have to own it. You have to say, I made a mistake. This is what I did. Not, oh, errors were made. Well, you know, you, you win some, you lose some. Those are the type of statements that aren't authentic, brothers and sisters. Just like with your, you know, your parents, you've done something wrong and you're explaining why you did it instead of just admitting that you did it. And that's where the trouble comes in. Because if you explain, then that means you're reason, you're reasoning, and you're trying to say why it should be okay. And the Most High is not really looking 
for that from us. All of us know right from wrong, brothers and sisters. You know, we may not know the dietary law and the holy days, but, you know, traditionally, you know stealing is wrong. Fornication is wrong. You know that murder is wrong. And you don't need the Bible for that, brothers and sisters. But we're going to go because it takes humility to confess, brothers and sisters. It takes humility. Can you read that one more time before we move on, brother? First John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Brothers and sisters, instead of covering our sins, we should confess our sins. That's what we should do. And we're going to prove it to you. Proverbs 28 and 13, brothers and sisters. Going to the Tanakh. Proverbs 28 and 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So we, we're not to cover our sins, brothers and sisters. The Most High already know what we've done. And a lot of times we feel like certain things that we've done have never been done before. There's other people who have made the same mistakes as you. And sometimes we feel like, I just transgressed so bad that nobody has ever done this before. Therefore, I need to kind of, you know, tiptoe around the Most High. Or not even talk to Him. You know, because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put that out there. So, brothers and sisters, we are not to cover our sins. We are to confess our sins. When we sin, a barrier is created between us and the Most High God, brothers and sisters, which interrupts our fellowship with Him. Now, this is the reason why we must confess. Because if you don't confess, there's a barrier in between you and your Maker. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 7 and 20, brother, in the Old Testament. Ecclesiastes 7 and 20. For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. See, and we always tell brothers and sisters, you know, even with the work that we do here at this church, we're just men. And no man is above uh, sin other than Christ. Christ is the only man that can stand before the Most High and say, you know, I was authentic. I was perfect. None of us, including myself, are perfect, brothers and sisters. So that means if we've sinned, there's sin to be confessed for. And once we, you know, once we grasp that ideology, uh, you know, we'll be healthier, we'll be rejuvenated, we'll be fruitful, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time? Verse 20. For there is not, <clears throat> excuse me, for there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. See, so we all have sin, brothers and sisters. The Bible tells you in the Old Testament that our all of our righteousness together is like filthy rags. We're all dirty, brothers and sisters. If the Most High came, if Christ came down right now, we'd all be dead because none of us, including me, is doing it exactly perfect. None of us, none of us, brothers and sisters. So this is all something, no matter your age, no matter how old or young you may be, this is something we can utilize in order to grow spiritually, brothers and sisters. Let's go to James, New Testament, 5 and 16, brothers and sisters. James 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another. Read that again, brother. Confess your faults one to another. Brothers and sisters, those who conceal instead of confess their weaknesses will make sport of highlighting the weaknesses in others. That's how it works, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time? Verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. 
The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It says that she may be healed to prove to you that this is part of healing, brothers and sisters. Admitting what you've done that was wrong or admitting what was done to you that was wrong. Because a lot of times we're the victim and people naturally don't want to be the victim. So they'll just shun what happened and not talk about it and in turn become sick internally or even physically, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? James 5 and 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. See, so we must confess our faults one to another. Now that leads to the question, what? Well, who do we confess to? Do we confide in everybody? Bible's against that, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you. We're going to show you because that's the question. Well, who should I confess to? Should I just confess to everybody? That's not wise. And we're going to show you why. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus and your apographer. For those who don't know what the apographer is, um, the apographer is 14 books that was taken out of the Bible that is in the original King James Version Bible. We actually have Bibles, um, you know, with the with the apographer in it. If you get your regular uh, 1611 King James Bible, we have an Oxford edition, we have a Cambridge edition. There's 14 books that was taken out of the actual King James Version Bible. There's that's supposed to be 80 books in it. And this Bible here have all of them. There's 14 books that have been taken out, brothers and sisters, because there's knowledge in there that they're trying to withhold from you. Government always got to be over you because they know more than you. They've withheld certain things purposely, brothers and sisters. We're going to go into it. And if this isn't spiritually inspired, you tell me. Brother, we're going to go to Ecclesiasticus. We're going to read 6 and 6 because the question is, who should we confide in? Can we confide in everybody? It says... Confess your sins. Who do we confess to? Ecclesiasticus. Oh, Uh, oh, yeah. Ecclesiasticus or also known as Sirach, brothers and sisters. We're going to read six and six. Ecclesiasticus six, verse six. Be in peace with many. Nevertheless, have but one counselor of a thousand. You can be at peace. If you can be at peace with all men and women, that's what you should do, brothers and sisters. But you should have one counselor. You can't go to everybody with, you know, your weaknesses, your struggles, because why? That could be used against you. So it would be unwise for you to just, you know, go to anybody and tell them what you're dealing with. And when it says confession, that means you should be able to come to a brother and say, oh, sister, I've been struggling, you know, with this drinking thing. And, uh, you know, I'm going to need some prayer. That's what confession means to go to your brother or to your sister and tell them. What you've been struggling with. Because why? They may be able to help you out. They may be able to pray for you. They may have went through the same thing. So you cannot go to everybody, brothers and sisters. You have to find that one that you can trust. Trust their guidance and trust their advice, brothers and sisters. You cannot, you know, just go talk to anybody about anything. Because why? Everybody's not there for the same reason, brothers and sisters. And the longer you're in the truth, you understand that. You think because, you know, you're in a gathering that everybody's just wants to follow Christ and that's not the case. There's a lot of people that just get in by being Israel. They just get in because they're Israel and then they tear it apart. Mm-hmm. So, brothers and sisters, one council, that's one, brothers and sisters. And that's somebody who's not going to magnify your weakness. That's somebody who's not going to use your weakness against you. That's somebody who's going to say, okay, brother or sister, I know what you're struggling with and I'm going to help you to make sure you never fall again. That's the person you want to share that information with, brothers and sisters. 
Not people who are immature in the word because they're not going to understand. Can you read that one more time, brother? Ecclesiasticus 6 and 6. Be in peace with many. Nevertheless, have but one counselor of a thousand. Right. So rather we allow our relationships to grow through our contact with them, right? We will discover if there's safe place to unload some of our baggage. Because why? Every place isn't safe to unbag. Certain places you safe with being yourself and, and letting somebody know what it is that you're dealing with. But every place is not the place, brothers and sisters. Confessions uh, of our deepest temptations, you know, of our de- deepest temptations, our deepest struggles, they, need to ha- they don't need to happen in a gathering. Usually you'll find somebody in a gathering that you'll become close with. And then you'll do it. But it's not something that, oh, we're in a room full of people. Let me blast <laughs> The things that I'm struggling with in front of everybody. Because you don't know who's in the room and why they're there, brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. You find the one counselor that you're going to be able to trust. That's a man, a woman of God. And that's who you go to, brothers and sisters. Growing up in the ghettos, in the hoods, you have sisters who are dealing with issues with their husband or their man. And they go to all of their friends and just tell all their friends how much of a dog, you know, the husband is. And then that gets used against them. When you get back with that man... Because you can't use everybody as a counselor, brothers and sisters. That's something we have to learn. That's something we have to learn. Build that relationship. And once you feel like you can be open, then you be open. Because why? A lot of people lose respect for you through familiarity. So once they're familiar with you and they hang around you now, there is, oh, okay, I see how he is. He really ain't that deep. He really don't study that much. Yeah, I've been over there. I stayed a week over there. I ain't seen him pick up the Bible once. <laughs> this is what happens, brothers and sisters. This is what happened with Judas. Judas got close to Christ and started to see how he worked. And now he's like, oh, okay, yeah, he's just another brother. This is what happens, brothers and sisters. So you got to be got to be critical. Got to be cognizant of who you are unloading your baggage on. Can you read that one more time, brother? Ecclesiastes 6 and 6. Be in peace with many, nevertheless, but have but one counselor of a thousand. Right. Let's go to Galatians 6, brother. New Testament, brothers and sisters, we're going to go to Galatians chapter 6. We're going to read verse 1. Galatians 6 and 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Right, so if a brother or sister is overtaken in a fault, they're struggling with something. Ye who are spiritual, who are strong enough, you are supposed to restore that brother or that sister and encourage him and tell him you're going to be there for him. And it's okay. You know, everybody have transgressions, but we want to help you to be a better woman or be a better man to obtain your purpose uh, for the most high God. Can you read that again, brother? Galatians six, verse one. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So in, you know, as you are known amongst your friends and family as a man or woman of God, a lot of times. Even in this position, you know, we have to counsel people because people have things going on. And it says the key part is it says considering thyself, lest thou be tempted. Because why? I could be dealing with a brother, right, who's having a struggle with drinking. And I may have had a struggle with drinking. So we'll get to talking. And he's like, yeah, man, sometimes I get so drunk. I don't know where I am when I wake up in the morning. And then if you're not careful and you're just coming out of that, you'll start to think back. Yeah, man, I remember doing that. 
It was some wild days, boy. It was wild. <laughs> I was at the club, too. So you start reminiscing on it. Like, you know what? I overcame it before. Let me go back and do it again so I can overcome it again. That's, that's what happens, brothers and sisters. So you got to be careful lest you're tempted into that same thing that your brother or your sister is dealing with. Can you read that one more time, brother? Galatians 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So bear ye one another's burdens, brothers and sisters. Who's responsible for bearing the burden? Because we already realized that, you know, we're supposed to have one counselor. So who is supposed who is supposed to carry the burden of a brother who's struggling? We're going to show you because it's, the Bible is crystal clear. Who are you supposed to go to if you have that relationship to be able to go to them, of course? But you can't just, especially going to a, somebody in the world, you definitely don't want to go to them about something that's going on because they're going to, you know. <clears throat> I remember back in the world when there were sisters going, you know, having issues going on with their man. Their sisters would call them, you know, sisters would call them and say, you know what? Get your freaking dress on, girl. You know, let's go compound that sin that you that you're dealing with, and let's go sin some more. Let's go to the club. See, you can't you can't give counsel. I mean, you can't receive counsel to pe- you know the people who don't follow the Bible. To be completely honest with you, brothers and sisters, we're going to show you who's responsible for bearing the burden. Romans fifteen and one. Paul. This is who, brothers and sisters, because it's critical. A lot of times, our friends become our enemies. And some of our worst enemies, because why? They have your weakness. So you got to be careful, brothers and sisters, promoting certain things that can be used against you if the Most High didn't put that person in that position. Because everybody's not strong enough. Sometimes you'll be telling a brother or sister what your weakness is, and now they view you differently. They're like, yeah, he a fornicator. He told me about it. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to do that because you'll change how people view you. The only person you want to go to is the person whose view is not going to change by what's coming out of your mouth. Let's go to Romans 15 and 1, brother. Romans 15 and 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. Read that again, brother. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. So those who are spiritually strong are to carry the burden, brothers and sisters. When a brother is down or sister is down. And, you know, they're not feeling it. They're struggling. They need to be carried. It's for those who are strong spiritually to carry them for a while until they're able to walk again. That's their responsibility. You don't go to a brother or a sister who's weak in the faith and, and get counsel from them. They are, you know, they're not ready for that right now, brothers and sisters. They're not ready for that. So you go to those who you know are spiritually strong. And that's who you, you know, that's who you get your counsel from, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? Romans 15 and 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Right. So, brothers and sisters, this is what, you know, your obligation. If you're that believer in your family and somebody want to come to you, then you're going to have to bear the burden. Because you may not be strong in all circles, but you're strong in certain circles. You may be around amongst people who are all non-believers and they may want to confide in you. And you're supposed to counsel them how Christ would counsel them. Not to tell them... You know, whatever's going to get them drama. Yeah, I would have told him this. I, I, I would have went and got my gun. Like, that's not that's not the kind of counsel that we're supposed to be giving, brothers and sisters. We should give the counsel that Christ would be happy with. One counselor, brothers and sisters, and it should be somebody strong, somebody within the faith, somebody who 
is not going to use your weakness against you, even if you, you know, even if you guys fall out. That's the person, you know, or the people that you want to use with counsel, brothers and sisters. I'm going to go to James five and sixteen because I had brothers ask me, you know, about that. Well, it does say confess, but who do we confess to? And that's a great question that you know a lot of people have because you you're not going to go confess to somebody that you don't know, are you? Or somebody you don't trust, or your enemy, somebody who's a foe, are you? So you know, we want to put that out there. We're going to James five and sixteen again. James five and sixteen. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It says the fervent prayer, brothers and sisters. That's 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 key. Continual prayer, brothers and sisters. And it's going to give you an example of a man who was a fervent prayer. Verse 17. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. Elias is the New Testament rendering for Elijah, brothers and sisters. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. So it said Elias or Elijah was a man subject to passions like we are. So the same temptations we had, he had. That's what this is saying. Everything that you feel, you know, he, he felt these things too, brothers and sisters. Verse 17. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly, earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So he prayed to withhold the rain, and he prayed for it to rain. If you want to read this story, you go to the book of King, you know, go to Kings, brothers and sisters. Verse nineteen, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his ways shall save his soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. See, so brothers and sisters, if you can. See a brother going the wrong way or a sister going the wrong way, you know, you, you almost have an obligation to try to do whatever you can to stop it, brothers and sisters. Can you read those last two again, brother? Verse 19. Brethren, and if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death. And shall hide a multitude of sins. That's the reward of helping save a sister or a brother before they go over. If they trust in you with counsel. This is the reward for it, brothers and sisters. He'll cover a multitude of sins. You'll save a soul from death. So if somebody do confide in you, brothers and sisters, you know, that's your opportunity to help throw them a, uh, you know, throw them a raft. Because sooner or later, if you allow the person to keep going, they're going to be way down the road and you're not going to be able to see them again. So, you, you know. If you're in the position to be able to grab them before they float out to sea, that's that's what we do, brothers and sisters. That's what we do. And we do it in the spirit of meekness and humility and understanding. We come from a place of empowerment. We don't come to condemn them. Oh, man, you still dealing with that? I thought you been stopped going to church on Sunday. I thought this and that and third. That's not, that's probably going to be the last time they come to you for counsel. Brothers and sisters, you, we have to look to uplift people and empower them and protect them at the same time. And let them know that, hey, you can overcome this. And you'll be greater when you do overcome this. That's all of our job, brothers and sisters. Because a lot of you who follow the Bible may be the only person, you know, or one of the few in your family. Amongst your friends. Because why? We have friends from the world before we knew the things we knew. We had worldly friends. And you may be the only one that have, you know, some level of respect for the Most High God and following His commandments. 
So the onus on, is on each and every one of you, not just, you know, me. Each and every one of you, if somebody come to you and they're, they're slipping, you got to hit them with precepts, brothers and sisters, and you got to pray with them. You got to pray for them. And you got to have ask sensitive questions to let them know that you care. That will invoke them to be able to feel more comfortable with you and be authentic around you. Because why? If you're not authentic with somebody, then you're probably going to be tripped up because why? You're trying to put on a front as the perfect Christian when you're not being yourself. So now you have to walk like this everywhere because you haven't been authentic with people. So, you know, be able to be honest, brothers and sisters. In fact, people can better identify you when they know your weakness a lot of times. When you have somebody who you think just have everything and it's so easy, when you actually see them stumble a little bit, you're not happy. But you're like, okay, he, you know, he just like me. She like me. You actually, you know, have a better relationship with him now. So your weakness can actually be a strength, brothers and sisters, for gaining that relationship that you want. Being vulnerable is good amongst the, the right people, brothers and sisters. So that's something we all can practice, brothers and sisters. And we all feel closer to somebody who's being honest with us, exactly. even in their weakness. Even in their weakness, brothers and sisters. So, you know, be amongst people who you can trust and you can be vulnerable around brothers and sisters and use that spirit of confession because once you put it out there you actually feel free it's out there now you know what I mean when you keep it bottled up like a genie you know you, you start to become sick but you should put it out there in the air brothers and sisters because after you put it out there in the air you start to think differently about it it, it seems controllable now because you actually put it in the words this is something we all should work on, brothers and sisters. Even if you're in a relationship, even if it's a friendship, if you've done something wrong, you know, especially if you've done something wrong to somebody, be able to confess it. Be able to say, I was wrong. I, I went way overboard. And, you know, that's not who I am. And I apologize. Be able to confess that, too. Not even just your weaknesses, but when you're wrong. Because a lot of times, especially in relationships, women and men relationships, there'll be so much going on, you know, that this never happens, brothers and sisters. Brothers will never usually come to their girl, their wife, and tell them the things that they're struggling with. When really, that's actually going to bring you closer together with her. And vice versa, if she came and did it. Women don't go to their husbands. They need to seem perfect a lot of times. So they don't want to go show a weakness. Because if I show a weakness, he may try to find somebody who don't have that same weakness. So that's a trick of Satan, brothers and sisters. And it's used as a prison for us not to be authentic and genuine with each other. And it causes us all to, you know... Wander from the Most High and stun our growth. We're going to prove it today. Uh, what scripture did you leave off on, brother? I finished 19. Can you read verse 20? 20? Yeah, can you? Verse 20. <clears throat> Let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Brothers and sisters, our fear of letting people see beyond the image we want to project. It denies us the friendship that we truly look for, brothers and sisters, because we're not being authentic. Our closest friends know the most about us, yet they love us anyway, right? So you find yourself living authentically in their presence. And when you're open, you know, the sky is the limit. Once you're being authentic and you're being real, even with your weaknesses and your strength, you know, you, you just gain the bond that will, you know, will last forever. Will last into the kingdom. Let us show you Ephesians 4 and 32. New Testament, brothers and sisters. Ephesians 4 
verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So if, if somebody do maybe offend you and they come to confess it, brothers and sisters, forgiveness. Forgiveness is it's critical. If, you, if you're a Christian or a follower of Christ, you know, forgiveness is not optional. Because why? If you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. So it's, it's not optional, brothers and sisters. A lot of times, you know, many reasons that we refuse to forgive is for fear of loss, there's no denying that forgiveness requires us to give up, you know, our attitudes, our actions that are important to us, right? Fear of losing that energy that anger produces, right? Some people are reluctant to let go of that burning energy that rage generates. It's a fuel that keeps them moving. So if I forgive, then I can't run off that anger anymore. So a lot of times that's why and that anger have become who they are now. That fuels them in everything that they do and their attitude. So a lot of times we don't forgive for fear of having to lose what we've become because we've been offended. Can you uh, read verse 32, brother, again? Verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Right. Forgiving one another, brothers and sisters. We can forgive even without the person asking for it. We can put that out there. We, you know. People who follow Christ, they they do it all the time, right? You can ask, you know, you can forgive somebody like Christ did when he was on that cross, like Stephen did when he was being taken down. Forgive them for they know not what they do, Lord. We can forgive people without them coming to you and acknowledging, because most people are not going to come acknowledging, and you have to be able to free that space up. You owe it to yourself to not have to carry that weight around. Because a lot of times the person you haven't forgiven isn't even thinking about you. They've moved on with their life, but yet you're still holding on to it, not forgiving. And it, it has become your prison. We're going to go to Matthew 6 and 15 to show you that forgiveness is not optional. If you're following Christ. Now, everybody is going to forgive, you know, at a, at a different rate. But as long as we understand that it's something that must happen... We'll be in better case. That's a natural way to stay healed and healthy and blessed, brothers and sisters. If you have a child or you have a, a wife or a girlfriend and they do something that could be seen as a transgression and they come to you and admit it, don't you feel better about that? Don't you feel better about that? As opposed to catching somebody doing something and them still to lie. Because why? Brothers do that a lot. They'll get caught lying and they'll keep lying. They don't want to come out of that lie. It happens, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you that no matter what, we must forgive. If you're a follower of Christ, no matter what somebody have done to you, it's your obligation to forgive them. Therefore, you can receive your blessings. Because if you, if you don't, you can't get blessed. We're going to show you. Matthew 6 and 15. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Brothers and sisters, biblical forgiveness is undeserved. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 15. But if, if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Brothers and sisters, the Most High forgives us by grace alone, which is undeserved favor. We don't deserve the grace that we receive, brothers and sisters. If somebody has to earn it, it's not forgiveness. If you make them pay or do penance, it's not forgiveness, brothers and sisters. Forgiveness is not for them. It's for you. It's, it's for you, brothers and sisters. It's for me. 
So this is something we want to incorporate uh, to make our, you know, to make our path straight and to spiritually grow. This is how we, this is one of the steps that we take as we start coming in the truth and understanding who we are and the laws and who the most high is. Confession is something we usually don't bring with us. We usually, you know, that's one of the parts we just leave back there. But this is, it's important to your spiritual growth, brothers and sisters, especially if you want to share, you know, what you know in the Bible. You got to be vulnerable with people. Therefore, they can, you know, receive you. We're going to show you. Uh, read for, for verse 15 one more time, brother. Matthew 6 and 15. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So it's not optional, brothers and sisters. We want to put it out there because why? We're talking about confession. If somebody come and confess to you that something they did was wrong, what do you do? Do you forgive it or do you need to hold on to that anger? Because a lot of us need to hold on to that anger because it's who we've become. We're going to show you. Ephesians 4 and 26, brothers and sisters. Ephesians 4, verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So we should try to do, you know, if something transpires in a day to day, we should try to forgive that day, brothers and sisters. We need to call him or call her that day. And don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Because why? If you let it fester overnight, you have more time to think. And now it becomes even bigger. You have to, as soon as you see, <clears throat> you have to address it, brothers and sisters. Unresolved anger keeps us from moving forward. Because it's, you know, it, it locks us in a time machine frozen in that exact moment of when we were offended. And that's something that Satan used against us to, to, to you know, to, to keep us apart. Instead of using each other and being together, he'll use it to tear us apart, brothers and sisters. You know, furthermore, if we uh, allow unforgiveness to continue, it's likely we're going to experience depression, uh, physical health decline, and, you know, and worse. Depression leads, you know stems from a lot of not confession and a lot of non-forgiveness. Confessing, you know, I know people who've done something who may have maybe molested somebody, you know, 30 years ago, never spoke about it, and, and their health is, is withering away because you need, to, even if you can't go to that person, at least go to the most high and acknowledge what you did. If you can acknowledge what you did, then I can send a blessing because you acknowledged it. But as long as you act like it didn't happen, then hey, it didn't happen. So, brothers and sisters, we have to be able to be accountable, especially the men. Especially the men, because why? We're killing each other. When really we could come confess and say, brother, you hurt me. You hurt me. Why did you do that to me? What did I do to you? We don't do that no more. We go straight for the gun. We don't confess. You know what, brother? I was hot that day. I was had something going on with my girl. I, you know, we, we don't do that no more. And it have led to black men killing black men. And not just black men killing black men, but, you know, the Spanish brothers killing each other. And us killing each other. This is what comes from non-confession and unforgiveness, brothers and sisters. This is something that society, especially minority communities, need to implement. It's confession and forgiveness. We're going to go to Matthew 18 and 21, brother. Matthew 18 and 21. Then came Peter to him. And said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? 
Till seven times. So Peter was coming to Christ, asking him, how many times can I forgive my brother? Should I forgive my brother? And just imagine this is a relationship, right? How many times can you forgive your spouse, right? Your girl for making the same mistake or your, your husband, your, your boyfriend for doing the same thing. How many times? Because this is where you usually put up with the most is in a relationship. You're going to usually get the most transgressions in a relationship, uh, you know, a physical uh, intimate relationship. You have to bear through. We're going to show you. Verse 22. Christ said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. So seventy times seven, brothers and sisters, we're supposed to forgive. And I know, you know, forgiving can be a little difficult when it involves a, you know, if it involves a one-time transgression, that's something different, right? But it's nearly impossible if this is something that have become traditional, right? Some of our greatest obstacles to forgiveness are the misconceptions, the misconceptions about what forgiveness is, brothers and sisters. Forgiveness is not condoning someone's behavior, brothers and sisters. Once we understand the act of forgiving doesn't compromise our integrity, right? Or our moral compass, then it becomes easier. Because it's not you saying, you know, I agree with what you did. You know, we're in the position to, you know, to to forgive transgressions, brothers and sisters. To forgive is not saying what you did is okay. That's not what we're saying. The consequences of your behavior belong to God. That's what forgiveness is saying. I forgive you. Listen, the Most High will deal with that. That's what forgiveness is because the Most High is not going to forget. The Most High won't forget, brothers and sisters. Everything that's happened to you, each and every individual. The Bible says he knows how many hairs is on your head. So you think he don't know when somebody offends you or somebody hurts you? Vengeance is the Lord's, brothers and sisters. We must forget. Read that uh, one more time, brother, 21 and 22, please. Verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? And Christ said unto him, I say not until thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Right. So brothers and sisters, forgiving is difficult enough when it involves a one time transgression. It's on it's, you know, on the verge of impossible when it becomes ongoing. Uh, let's go to Matthew 19 and 26, brother, because unconditional forgiveness is possible. And that may be something that need to be implemented, especially in minority families, because brothers make a lot of mistakes. And if, you know, if we will get kicked to the curb every time we make a mistake. You're going to be alone forever, brother. So you need somebody who's going to forgive and us, too, because brothers will get forgiven 100 times. And as soon as somebody hold the door for their wife, they oh my it's over. <laughs> you, what do you let them hold the door for you? What, 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 what you mean? What you mean? What you mean? Thank you, right? So a lot of times we want the woman to forgive, but as soon as it's something we don't like, we don't never forget it. Now I gotta go out. I'm gonna cheat now because she letting dudes hold the door now. So, and this is what happens, brothers and sisters. This happens every day, brothers and sisters. So we both must try to, uh, you know, perfect that that art of forgiveness and confession. All of us, brothers and sisters, including myself. We're going to go to Matthew 19 and 26. Matthew 19 and 26. But Christ beheld them and said unto them, With men this is, po this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So, brothers and sisters, in order for us to forgive a, a somebody or even a spouse on a higher degree, you know, 
who gives no indication that he or she is sorry, we definitely need the guidance of the Most High. Forgiveness, unconditional forgiveness is possible, but only through the power of the Most High God. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 26. But Christ beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. All things are possible with his assistance, brothers and sisters. Unconditional forgiveness, confession is all possible through his assistance, brothers and sisters. We're going to prove it. Philippians 4 and 13, brothers and sisters. New Testament. Philippians 4 and 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. See, so we can forgive, brothers and sisters. There's a plethora of reasons why we don't forgive, but we need to be able to, you know, put a magnifying glass on that, see where the origin is, and then address it, brothers and sisters, because really it does more <clears throat> harm to you than the person you're not forgiving. Because like we said, usually the person that did something to you seven years ago have moved on with their life, and they're not thinking about you. But you're thinking about it every day, like, man, I hate this person. Or, you know, whatever people think when they have an issue. I, I, I got to bring something up. It's like <clears throat> dealing with friends and spouses. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we really have to take the word forgiveness in perspective. Because you could say, I forgive you, but I don't want to be your friend anymore. No or I forgive you, but we can't be in a relationship anymore. What is that forgiveness? Isn't forgiving somebody saying, okay, we're, we're cool. And let's just go on along. Because I've been forgiven by people for cut off. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, brother, that's a great question, man. Um, it's a tricky question because forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean to put somebody in a position to destroy you again. You know what I mean? Like, we forgive our enemies, but I'm never going to put you in that position to enslave me again. You know, so it just, you know, I think it's a case-by-case uh, situation, you know. But I think if you say you're going to forgive, you can never bring it up again because that's what forgiveness is. You can't every time something happens, well, you know, you did this and did that. You're like, I thought you forgave me for that. Well, I'm just saying now, if you forgive, you got to let it go. Because a lot of times, especially with our sisters, they'll claim that they're forgiving. But it's like you have to, you have to live the rest of your relationship trying to get back where you were. And that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness means it's in the past. The most high going to deal with it. Not you have to prove to me for the rest of the relationship that, you know. You're sorry. That's not forgiveness. If you have to work for it, it's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is something you actually don't deserve. But, I, you know, the most I have mercy or grace. And that's part of judgment. Mercy, brothers and sisters. That's part of judgment. You don't always have to drop the hammer down. You can forgive. And, you know, like, like the brother said, a lot of our sisters, uh, they, they say they forgive, but the action may show something contrary. You know, but at the same time, we have to look at the flip side of it. You know, if somebody believed that they are being hurt and they believe that they need to protect themselves by, you know, severing themselves, then that happens too, brothers and sisters. That happens too. Because usually, and we're going to go into it, let's go to Mark 11 and 25. A, a lot of times, for our sisters, forgiveness takes a lot. It takes a lot. And we got to be, we got to be honest. Reconciliation. And forgiveness are two different things. So I can forgive you. That don't mean we're reconciled, though. And that's what that's what we're going to show you. That's what we're going to show you. The brother had a good point. Uh, read verse 25, brother. Oh, Mark 11 and 25. <clears throat> Mark 11, verse 25. And when ye stand praying, forgive, 
If ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 25. And when ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Right. So notice there's no call for the other person to confess, brothers and sisters. So you can forgive without a confession. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 25. And when ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Right. So we must forgive, brothers and sisters, our spouses, if even if he or she do not repent, brothers and sisters. That that doesn't, it, ha- it holds no weight on you forgiving. The only thing that we, you know, we want to put out there is full reconciliation requires confession and repentance. Now, I can forgive you, brother, but until you acknowledge what you did to hurt me, we're not going to be reconciled. I love you, but I'm going to love you from a distance. Now, if you repent and say, yeah, I don't know what came over me. You know, I was wrong for that. Now we can be reconciled. But unless that happens, there will be no reconciliation. And that's just how it is with the Most High. He can forgive you, but your relationship isn't, (laughs) it's not kosher with him until you acknowledge what you did. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 25. And when ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Right. So while there can be forgiveness on our part without, you know, a full confession by the other person, unconditional forgiveness, you know, this isn't enough for a full reconciliation. Somebody forgiving you isn't enough. They, You have to be genuinely repent for what it is that you did. That's the only way to give way for reconciliation. Even when I have, you know... You know, people in the world that I've known once and maybe have done something to me where we we just separated. You know, there's all if there's a repentance coming, if there's that coming, if there's acknowledgement, then, hey, I, you know, I never close anybody out. But that has to happen first. I'm going to forgive you either way, because that's what the most I tell me to do. But we can't be together unless you acknowledge and repent. That's it. The only way, brothers and sisters, read that one more time, brother. Mark 11 and 25. And when ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. So it's not optional, brothers and sisters. If we don't forgive those who may have how we feel wronged us or disrespected us, if you don't take the opportunity to forgive, then when your transgressions come up before the most time, you make a mistake, then you're not going to be forgiven. So it's just like our, you know, just like the prayer says in Matthew, we must forgive brothers and sisters, forgive our debtors. We must forgive. It's critical, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you. We're going to Luke 17 and three. We can forgive without somebody asking for repentance, but for full reconciliation, that takes repentance, brothers and sisters. Luke 17 and three. Luke 17 and three. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. So, brothers and sisters, Christ includes repentance as a part of forgive, of the forgiveness process. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. See, so Christ knew that there would never be complete reconciliation while a sin stands in the midst of a relationship. If that sin has gone unattended, there's going to be no reconciliation. This is what Christ is saying. 
So there's no way that you can just close the door to it and move on. You actually have to address it. And I know it's hard, but you're going to gain that person's respect. Can you read that one more time, brother? Luke 17 and 3. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Right. So especially true of a husband and a wife, a boyfriend and a girlfriend, brothers and sisters, if they are truly to be one, there cannot be any hidden unconfessed between them. It can't be. It's not going to work, brothers and sisters. There must be openness, honesty, confession, repentance, forgiveness and reconciliation. That's that's how it works, brothers and sisters. If somebody if you, you know, go to a brother or a sister and say what you did hurt me and they, you know, they show some level of penance then now it's in your court to forgive him. Read that one more time, brother. Please. Verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Right. So, brothers and sisters, especially in relationships, sin that is, you know, that's unconfessed and, you know, unrepented for in a marriage will lead to what? A lack of peace, guilt, discouragement, resentment, bitterness, if you don't attend to whatever it is that you did or whatever she did, maybe somebody did something to you that hurt you. You're going to start to resent them if you don't tell them. Because a lot of times we won't even tell a person what they've done. They'll be sitting right up in there and you won't tell them what they did. So that's going to tear you apart. Whether it be a marriage or a friendship, a brotherhood, a sisterhood, it's going to tear you apart. There cannot be unconfessed sin in the midst of a relationship, brothers and sisters. That's going to tear you apart. Can you read verse 4, brother? Verse 4, and if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. See, so confession, brothers and sisters, you know, confession and true repentance are needed to bring real, complete forgiveness, which leads to peace, leads to joy, and what? A strong relationship. So, brothers and sisters, if there's, if there's sin that's unconfessed in any type of relationship, even if it's with a mother and a son, it need to be addressed, brothers and sisters. That, that's being an adult. You need to address it one way or another. Ask for repentance. Because after you ask for the repentance, whether they f- forgive you or not, you've done the right thing. You've went and you acknowledged it. Nobody's going to be perfect. Nobody's going to be right. Only thing I can do is say I'm sorry. Only thing I can do is acknowledge it. What, you want blood? Some people want blood. They don't even want an apology. They want blood. That happens, brothers and sisters. Once you once you've let that sun go down on your wrath, and now it's been a month and two months, now you're just building an account on them. Everything they do, you just uh huh. See, so now it's become heavy. Once it first happens and you feel offended, or you know whatever the case is, you should do you should attend to it right then and there. Because if you let it fester and go overnight, it's going to accumulate into a ball of confusion. According to the Bible, brother, let's go to Matthew five. Got a lot of New Testament for the Christians out there, brothers and sisters. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Matthew 5 and 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there remembereth that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother. And then come and offer thy gift. See, so if you have something for the Most High and you're having an alt with a brother, you're feeling some type of way about a brother, you need to actually go to him first. Go get it right with your brother first before you go to the altar. If you have some level of 
you know, animosity towards your brother or your sister, you need to go to him or go to her. And a lot of times we don't want to do that because why? We don't want to give space for repentance. A lot of us don't want repentance. We just want to just be done. And listen, brothers and sisters, if there's if there's space for repentance, you know, we must accept that. That's being a true man of God. Is, you know, a true woman of God is forgiveness, even when they don't deserve it. Because you don't deserve it. Neither do I. And we got it. We have it. This is what we practice, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Verse twenty, verse twenty-three. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and and there remember it that thy brother have ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. So confession is crucial, even amongst the brethren, brothers and sisters. According to the Bible, we need to be able to confess and forgive. If you've been wrong, confess that. And if somebody have wronged you and confess it. Forgive it, brothers and sisters. Forgive it. You can be an example. You can be an example and not harbor that spirit on you for the rest of your life or for however long it takes. Let's show you David's confession. Because David confessed after he, what, had a man killed for his wife. Let's show you. Psalms 32. Psalms chapter 32. We're going to read the whole chapter. Psalms 32 and 1. It says now, brothers and sisters, it has been said that confession is good for the soul, but it's not merely therapeutic. It's actually a prerequisite for forgiveness. Psalms 32 verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence... My bone waxed old through my roaring all the day long. So, brothers and sisters, it's saying that, you know, God's forgiveness includes every kind of sin. Because here it says transgression. It says iniquity, right? These are all different types of sin. So what he's saying is there's forgiveness for all sin, brothers and sisters. Can you read that uh, first verse again, brother? Verse 1. Blessed is, is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputed not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. See, so when I kept what I did to myself, I became sick. My conscience became seared. That's what this is saying. My bones waxed old when I kept silent. Because why? At first, he didn't go to the Most High and repent. He was doing other things. He never went and addressed what it was that he did. Once he did, he was relieved. Can you read that last scripture again, brother? Verse 3. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drop of summer. So you'll lose your strength. You'll lose your peace. You'll lose your joy. That's just, this is what happens when sin go unconfessed, brothers and sisters, especially to the most high. Even if you can't go there to somebody else yet, start with the Most High. You can confess to Him. Then that will lead you and strengthen you up to be able to confess it to somebody who literally can't do anything to you. The Most High have the, you know, the power to kill the body and the soul. The per people, you know, man and woman, they can't do anything to you. So if you can confess to Him, then you can confess to anybody. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 4. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. So you'll find no relief. That's what, this is what he's saying. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, 
In mine iniquity have I not hid. Read that again, brother. Verse 5. I acknowledge my sin unto thee. In my iniquity I have not hid. See, so he acknowledged his sin, brothers and sisters. He acknowledged his sin. Now this brother have now, at this time he had murdered somebody and fornicated. And he acknowledged his sin and was forgiven. This was David, King David, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 5. I acknowledge my sin unto thee. In mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. See, so there will be blessed. Read that one more time, brother. Verse Verse 6. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto thee. Right. It's a blessing of having the Most High God as your refuge, brothers and sisters. You can always go to him. That's This is what this is saying. Um, read verse 7, brother. Verse 7. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. See, so the Most High is your refuge, brothers and sisters. Verse 8. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. The blessings of the Most High is instruction, brothers and sisters. This all comes with repentance, confession, confessing what you've done. Continue, brother. Verse 9. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which has no understanding. Whose mouth must be held in with bit and brittle. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 9. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Right. So, brothers and sisters, these scriptures are saying that the Most High will teach and guide those who are sensitive to him. If we confess our sin and grow in his sensitivity... Uh, he will direct us in his ways, brothers and sisters, but we have to be able to acknowledge it. We have to, and I know it hurts. I remember, and I'll never forget, many years, a very long time ago, I knew that I was getting ready to transgress. And I was playing with it in my mind, trying to make it okay. I was thinking about it a hundred different ways. Like, I'm just trying to find a way where this can be okay. And as soon as I did it, like, it hurt so bad. It, it hurt so bad that I, I dropped tears because I know I was wrong. And I knew I thought about it before I did it too, and I was just—I just had to do it. And as soon as I did it, I felt him say, "I'm disappointed in you." And that's really what hurts when your parents are disappointed in you. That hurts worse than when they're angry with you, right? Because they know you're better than this. They expect it better. And you know, when you get to that time, you need to just go to the most high and be vulnerable, because that way, that shame that you feel will actually cause you not to do it again, brothers and sisters. And I never did it again, but. You know, that feeling that I felt, I never felt conviction like that before. I knew that I shouldn't have been doing it, and I did it. And I stopped as soon as I did it, but it was too late because I should have never did it. And I knew that he was disappointed, and it hurt. But you got to be able to confess and tell him when you're wrong and just be open and acknowledge it so he can bless you. And he can be your refuge. He can be your rock. Even because, see, that's, that's the mercy. That's the grace of the Most High. Where another person wouldn't forgive you, that's why he's the most high. He's not another person. He'll forgive you as many times, you know, as long as with that repentance comes a change in your behavior. Because that's a form of repentance. It's changing your behavior, not just, you know, saying, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. That's not repentance. It have to be genuine. It have to be authentic. There have to be a change in your behavior. 
to be authentic, brothers and sisters. Can you continue, brothers? Verse 10. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall come past him about. See? So King David reveals a struggle that results, you know, from him hiding his sin. And, you know, the subsequent peace that he received from confessing that sin. Verse, verse 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Right. Right. So, brothers and sisters, he's making it crystal clear. David is telling you how it affected his health when he didn't repent. The Most High knew what he was doing. He saw it. Of course, you can't hide anything from the Most High. So why not go to him? The reason we don't go to him is because we're ashamed. A lot of times, it's just like when, what, you know that you've done something wrong and your father walk in the house. You go directly to your room, don't you? You don't even speak to him, do you? You just hide behind, cower behind the door. Because like, I know if I see him, he's going to say something, right? Or with your mother or, or whatever. Or your boss, you know, you you late. You come right into work, go around the back. You don't even want to see them, do you? <laughs> see, and that's usually what sin, you know, transgression usually brings shame. It usually brings guilt. And we're going to show you that's a prison that Satan used. He used your guilt against you to keep you away from the Most High. We're going to show you. Genesis 3 and 8. Because this happened before with our, our, our mother and father, with Adam and Eve. Once they transgressed, what did they do? They hid. See? Because this is what comes with it. We're going to Genesis 3 and 8, brothers and sisters. Sin is a reality in which we all must live. No one can escape the struggles we have, you know, against, you know, we have rebelling against the Spirit of the Most High God. You know, among many. One of the most devastating strategies of Satan is what? It's fed by our own shame. Sin causes shame, brothers and sisters. And when we're shamed, we hide. We're going to show you. Genesis 3, verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. See, so after the sin, they cowered and hid from him. Why? Because they're, they know that they had broken the relationship. You know, they concealed themselves from the Lord. Instead of casting themselves on the mercy of the Most High, they try to flee from the only one that can forgive them. And this is what we usually do. I talked to a brother months ago about something that was going on in his life. And I, I said, brother, you should probably pray to the Most High about that. And right away, I knew he he didn't want to pray because he started telling me, you know, well, I think the most high, I think he will be OK if I did it because, you know, I've been trying really hard and, you know, I really need this. And if, if, if you know, if he didn't want me to do it, he would just shut the door. And I'm like, you know what the answer is, don't you, brother? That's why you won't even go to him. You won't even go talk to him about it because you know what the answer is. And you want to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. So you're just going to, uh, I'm going to leave him alone for two weeks. I ain't going to talk to him for two weeks while I go do this dirt real quick. <laughs> and this is what's going on. A lot of times when we know we're doing something that's wrong or, you know, something that may not be popular or favored through the most high, we'll just stay away from it completely. We won't even talk to him about it. Same way we do with our parents. And that Satan will use that as a prison. Because why? If you stay away from the Most High, you can't fulfill your purpose. Because why? You're already forgiven for the sin if you confess it. So why would you allow a sin that's already been forgiven keep you away from your purpose, right? So, brother, read verse uh, Genesis 3 and 8 one more time. Genesis 3, verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. See, so brothers and sisters, Satan will use this as a prison to keep you away from what your true purpose is. Paul went through this. Paul almost didn't become what he was supposed to become because he remembered the times when he persecuted the church. He was like, you know, you know, I'm glad to have the truth, but I, I can't go do nothing. You know what I did back then? I can't go do nothing. And if he didn't do nothing, we would... Look at, he was the apostle to the Gentiles. A marvelous work. All Christians based their whole doctrine off Paul, which is not good, but you know. Still, Satan tried to use it against Paul to say, you know, you was just persecuting the church. Now you think you're going to go teach? Huh. Use that guilt, that shame to keep you away from your father. I'm going to show you. Go to Hebrews 4 and 13, brother. Confession, brothers and sisters. Confession is biblical. And these psychologists have made an absorbent amount of money off this biblical principle. They know that if they just invite you into a room, right? They don't even talk. They just listen and let you just talk about what have transpired, your transgressions, your life's experience. And then they get paid for it because they know it's something spiritual. When that thing is lifted off your shoulders because you've been able to speak it. That's biblical, brothers and sisters. We should all practice this. We should all practice this. Uh, go to Hebrews 4 and 13, brother. Hebrews 4 and 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and openeth unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. See, so what this is saying is Adam and Eve, they tried to hide the same way we do. And everything is open to the Most High. He see everything. So it's like you're trying to hide, but you're hiding under something that's invisible. Let me go hide under this invisible tree right here. The Most High don't see a tree. He just see you cowering and hiding. So you might as well address it and be a woman, be a man, be an adult, and address what you did. Even you tell, we tell our children that. Just admit what you did. Because as you continue to lie and transgress and hide, you actually dig in the dip, the, you know, digging the ditch deeper. You actually, you know, putting the rope around your neck and about to, you know, Kick the chair away on yourself. When really, the very thing that you're running from is what you should be going towards. And that's the most high. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Brothers and sisters, human nature have not changed. People do many sinful things thinking they're getting away with it. Not knowing that the most high God sees all things he's present at all times so you're really not hiding anything you're actually you know putting a barrier between you and the most high when he already know a lot of times we got to forgive ourselves brothers and sisters a lot of times we can't you know we have a hard time forgiving ourselves and satan will use that as a prison you need to forgive yourself because why christ came for your sins so don't allow the sin that christ died to forgive to keep you away from your purpose because Satan will use that. You feeling guilty about things that have happened, right? Everybody have transgressions, brothers and sisters. All of us. Let's go to James 4 and 8, brother. James 4, verse 8. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Right. Our conscience charges us with guilt when we know that we've sinned, brothers and sisters. Once we've sinned, what should we do? Read it one more time, brother. 
Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. See? So we need to cleanse our hands, brothers and sisters. We need to ask for forgiveness. We need to confess. Draw nigh to the Most High so there can be reconciliation. Because why? If you don't repent, there's no reconciliation. He can forgive you, but you're not going to have that relationship because you haven't repented. And you must acknowledge it. You have to. And once you do it, you'll start to feel better. It's out there, right? You have brothers who have been doing their wife dirty for years, you know, uh, or vice versa. And they finally just finally just come out and admit it and apologize. And it's like a whole weight lifted off your shoulders because you don't have to carry that lie. You don't have to carry that animosity, even though you know you hurt that person. It did well for you to be honest. And somebody who can't trust honesty, I, I mean, somebody who can't receive that, no matter how hard it may be, right? Because why? A lot of us say what? I lied because I loved you. You have a demon. If you think that you lied to me because you loved me. Oh, I didn't really tell you I was at the girl house because, I, you know, I love you. I didn't want you to. Nah, you you got a reprobate mind. That's what you have. You think that it's good to lie to people. You think that's love. Our parents used to say to us, well, I lied to you because I didn't really want you to know, you know. Nah, nah. That's not of the most high, brothers and sisters. How are you going to tell your children don't lie? And then you're lying to them. Brothers and sisters, confession. Confession. Even, you know, if your children are a certain age and they're grown and there's something that transpired, you can confess to your, you can, you know, run that by your children. I, hey, listen, I actually had to confess to my son before. I said something and I knew I shouldn't have said it. I knew I was going too far. And it slipped right out of my mouth. And the most high was like, you better go back in there. You know, I gave it a little time to let it. I didn't want to come right back in because that would have been like, you know, that would have been a little crazy. Like I said it, then I went right back and I let it go for a minute, like an hour. Then I went back and I was like, you know what? I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. And listen, all of us can do that, brothers and sisters. All of us. Read that one more time, brother, before we move on. Verse 8. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Feeling guilty? Feeling ashamed? Go to the Most High. Confess your sin, specifically, brothers and sisters. Confessing and focusing on the specific sin gives us insight onto, you know, into how we were tempted and enticed in the first place. So, you know, we got to be careful and use thoughtful reflection, um, you know, so we can avoid these same transgressions. Brothers and sisters, confession, confession, forgiveness. That's what we're working on today, brothers and sisters. Any man of God, any woman of God need to be ready to forgive and need to be ready to confess if you're wrong, if you transgress or if you have a weakness. You know, if there's that right person that can help you or give you the encouraging words, you should share that with them. You know, of course, you build a relationship with them and see if you can unbag, you know, unbag with them. But once you can trust them, utilize that. Utilize that, brothers and sisters. It would do wonders for your relationship with that person. We're going to go to 1 Peter 5 and 8. Got a few more scriptures. First Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about. Seeking whom he may devour. See, so he, Satan is always looking for who he can devour, brothers and sisters. And what he does is he tempts us to think, you know, we haven't been forgiven. Therefore, that caused you to hide like Adam and Eve. 
See? So that's that's one of the wiles of the devil to have you not forgive yourself, right? So we got to be careful with that, brothers and sisters. First, forgive yourself. The Most High have already forgiven you. Forgive yourself and get on with the work. Because if you allow that to become your prison, then Satan have won. Satan have won. Even, you know, in my life, I, I had done so much stuff that I was ashamed of, you know, that I, for a long time, wouldn't do what I'm doing now because I just knew that it was it was out there. All the things that I had did was wrong and I was ashamed and I didn't want that to be brought up. So I just didn't do anything. I just stayed still. And that's against the most high because your words, your knowledge may be able to save somebody one day. And you're thinking about your selfish self. Well, I hope they don't say this. And hope they don't know this about me. Forget all that, brothers and sisters. You've been forgiven. Let's move forward. Let's move forward. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Right. So forgiveness is even including ourselves, brothers and sisters. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for the decision that you made, for the mistake that you made. Therefore, you can continue to grow spiritually. We all make mistakes, brothers and sisters. It's not how you fall or how many times you fall, but how many times you get up. This is what we got to learn, brothers and sisters. All of us, including myself. We're going to go to Romans 8 and 33. Paul. Romans 8, verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God's that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yet yet rather that is risen again, who is seven at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So, brothers and sisters, Paul was, you know, he was making it clear that, you know, guilt can be stubborn and a nagging problem even for believers. So you must realize that your sin has been forgiven. You're held up on what you did when that's holding you from your purpose. Continue to think that you're that person. Just like when, uh, you know. Somebody who, you know, who dealt with some level of addiction. And that's the only thing they talk about, right? Is that level of of addiction and where they came from. And it's like, you're not delivered. You're still addicted. You keep talking about. You need to move on from that. And that's what the Most High is saying. Don't talk about who you used to be. You're not that person. I've forgiven you. You have a new slate. So now, what are you going to do with that new slate? Don't allow that thing that you used to become, that gangbanger you used to be, that drug dealer or that prostitute that you used to be to keep you from your true purpose, brothers and sisters. We all have a past. Even Paul. Even Paul. Can you read that one more time from the top, brother? Romans 8 and 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God. Who also maketh intercession for us. Right. Why? Because Paul remembered the cries from the believers whom he dragged out of their homes and thrown into prison when he was persecuting the church. He thought about those things and that was looking to prevent him from doing the ministry, doing the work. Satan uses guilt as a prison to make us feel unworthy of achieving our true purpose. That's a prison. And that's one of the many wiles of Satan, brothers and sisters. We must forgive ourselves. 
We're going to go to Acts 3 and 19. We've got two scriptures after that, and we're going to close out. Acts 3, verse 19. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Guilt is important in motivating us to repent, brothers and sisters. So, you know, when you do something wrong, guilt is, you know, is a correct response. But left to fester, it can also become a deadly spiritual poison. If you allow that to fester, brothers and sisters, if not properly dealt with, it can lead to extended periods of depression, unhappiness, hopelessness, self-pity, and it can destroy your faith. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. See, so once you repent, you're forgiven and you can move forward. And you don't need to feel, you know, you don't need to feel that way anymore. If the Most High can forgive you, then who is anybody else to bring it up? If the Most High have forgiven me, you can't bring, you don't have that right. You can't do that. You can't bring that up to me. The Most High forgave me for that. You, you, you darn sure are not going to bring it up to me. That's, you know, that's biblical. Uh, what, what scripture was that? 19, brother? Yes, sir. Okay, read that one more time so we can move on, please. Acts 3 and 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. To show you that your sins can be erased. It said blotted out, brothers and sisters. So your sins can be erased through what? Through repentance, brothers and sisters. Guilt can be what become a deadly, deadly, uh, you know, it can be, become deadly if it continues to consume a, a believer even after he or she have been forgiven. A lot of times it's getting over the, you know, the guilt and the shame and the disappointment we have in ourselves. A lot of times that's what it is, brothers and sisters. Especially once you're more mature. You know, as a youngster, as a youngin, right? As a young bull, you don't even think about that. You're not even worried. You're not ever disappointed in yourself. You, you know, you just do whatever comes to your mind. But as you become older and you become more wise and you become more spiritual and you start understanding things, when you transgress, it hurts you a little bit more because you know that you are better than that. You're better than that, but you can't allow that to fester and consume you because you can't do any work like that. You can't do any work for the Most High. And the Most High needs you workers. He needs all of us. The harvest is plenty. The laborers are few, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Luke 3 and 3 and then John 3 and 5 because we need to show you what the highest level of confession or repentance is. This is the highest level, brothers and sisters, of repentance and forgiveness. Luke 3, verse 3. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remissions of sin. See, the baptism of repentance, because why? Baptism is a form of repentance. That's saying you know you've been wrong and you need to be cleansed. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 3. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. See, that's about you acknowledging and admitting. That's the repentance, brothers and sisters, saying, I know I was wrong. Now, you're going to have a lot of people out there who don't believe in baptism. And they're a bunch, most, most of them are some of the most arrogant, smug individuals I've ever met. Because you think that you're perfect and you don't have any sins, clearly, that need to be washed away. This is the way to clear our sins, brothers and sisters. And if somebody's out there, you know, listening to this broadcast who uh, needs assistance with that, they can email us at commandmentkeepers, the number one, 
the number eight at hotmail.com and we can facilitate um, getting you through some living water. Read that one more time, brother. Please. Luke three, verse three. And he came into the the he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. This is the highest level, brothers and sisters, of repentance, of confession. This is it right here. So you pray to the most high, and if you feel like this is something you need to do, then it would be best that you do it because the Bible says you must be born of the water and the spirit. So you must go through the water in order to make it into the kingdom. Each and every one of us. Christ is that door. And if you come through a different door with any type of philosophy or excuse, you're a liar and you're a thief because that's what Christ said. Christ is the door. If Christ did it, you do it. If Christ did it, I'm going to do it. We're going to do it, brothers and sisters. We're following Christ. We're not following being an Israelite. We're not following Moses. We're not following Adam. We're following Christ. Brother, go to John 3 and 5 and we're going to end it off there. John 3 verse 5. Christ answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, repentance is a requirement for reconciliation. And baptism begins that reconciliation, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Verse 5. Christ answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. This is the form of repentance, brothers and sisters. It's a form of acknowledging all of our wrongs. And telling, you know, telling the Most High we're sinners. And we need to be cleansed. That's, that's, it's simple, brothers and sisters. This is a requirement. And, you know, we're not going to rush anybody because people need to understand the significance of what the baptism is. And if you don't understand the significance, you shouldn't be baptized yet. You know what I mean? Take a little bit of time to pray and continue to learn. Because once you get baptized, if you continue to sin, there's no more, there's no more blood for that sin. Christ went to the cross one time. He's not going to keep going back up, throw yourself up there every time you want to sin. So you must understand the significance before you go through that water. Because once you go through that water, it becomes serious, brothers and sisters. Because you already acknowledged it and turned away. And then you came back. You overcame it once and you're like, let me go back so I can overcome it again. That's what we do, brothers and sisters. You know what? I know I stopped drinking, but you know, I'm going to do it one more time. You know, Just to try it out, just to see, because I ain't done it in a while. I overcame it before. I could do it again. That's what we that's what we do, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 5. Christ answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So, brothers and sisters, today's lesson was um, the power of confession uh, and how the psychologists utilize it for financial gain. We going to utilize like the Bible say and not charge anybody, brothers and sisters. This is all of our obligation to confess, you know, to our loved ones, to our friends, to our family. That's something that, you know, a lot of, especially here in Babylon in America, that's not popular here, admitting your faults, admitting your weaknesses. But if you, you know, if you utilize that, people will be more open to listen and to learn from you, brothers and sisters. By confessing our sins, we're able to experience freedom from that weight of sin and gain usefulness in the kingdom of the Most High through confession, brothers and sisters. Confession is wise, strong, and necessary. 
unburdening both the soul and the psyche to live a forthright, productive life for the Most High God. Today, we went into the importance of the principle of confessing fault, brothers and sisters. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more. Trump, Differences wanna know how I feel about it. I think it's ridiculous how we supposed to be alike to the rest of our people when we can't even get it right. Amongst ourselves, we quit to judge, we quit to spill each other's blood. Ain't no peace, ain't no love, man. It's all messed up. Let's take it back to 2012, where it all began. Regardless of what count, we were all friends. I just pray we get it right before it's too late. We need love and do away with all the hate. Take a look at our people, you know we desperately need it I'm asking what I love It seems to me that we hate each other for no reason Tell me what I love it Take a look at our people, you know we desperately need it And we need love It seems to me that we hate each other for no reason First John chapter 4, you need to read that there Verses 20 through 21, and ask yourself Am I one who say I love the Lord but hate my brother? Let's be honest, that's most of us in this truth, I swear Leviticus chapter 19, verse 17 Psalms 133, we need unity Zechariah 8, 17 and 18 All this ending is strife, the Father hates these things Let's go back to 2012, where it all began Regardless of what it can, we were all friends I just pray we get it right before it's too late We need love and do away with all Somebody the hate Somebody tell me where to love it. Take a look at our people, you know we desperately need it I'm